How many are still digesting from <laughs> Thursday, huh? Well, we got to keep it going because Thanksgiving for the believer is not just a one-time-a-year thing. And so I like to uh, keep it going as long as we can. And it's always good to give thanks. We talked last week about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And there's a language of faith. Faith speaks the victory. Faith speaks even when you feel weak, I am strong. When you feel poor, I am rich. And it's not saying something like positive confession. It's saying something because you're meditating on your heart, thinking about what Jesus did for us. Jesus purchased us at the cross, made the way for us to enter into covenant blessings with the Lord and his care and provision in our lives. And we start to think about that. And so it comes up as a language. We speak the language of faith and we say, this is the victory in Jesus Christ. And giving thanks is a part of that. So uh, we're interrupting the Hebrew study this week for uh, looking at 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And since this is a Thanksgiving sermon, we're going to talk about the pilgrims, okay? And I'm not talking about the pilgrims from the Mayflower, although I am going to mention them. But remember last week we talked about Hebrews 11, that God has prepared a better country for us, that we are in transit, that we should not be settling for the things of this world because the things of this world are passing. But we have been given, thanks be to God, an inheritance in Christ Jesus, an eternal inheritance and provision for now as well as eternity and so we can't view this world as our home we are passing through and that should give us pause for thanks well as well because when things aren't going right we can thank the lord hey this is not the end of things and there's more that's going on that can be seen so we're passing through and you know we're all traveling some of you may know this may not know this but i'm going to be traveling in a week a little over a week, I'm going to be going to uh, Thailand to do some ministry there. And you may have never gotten on a plane, but you're still traveling. You, I'm thankful that I'm getting on a plane to go to Thailand. In the past, they used to get on these ships, and it took months to go overseas, and you get seasick and all that stuff. We don't have to do that anymore, but I just wanted to let you know what the timing is here. You go from Knoxville to D Detroit, which is about a two-hour flight, and then whatever lay over there. Then you get on a plane from Detroit and you go to Korea, which would be about 11 or 12 hours. And then from Korea to Chiang Mai would be another six hours. So that's really not too bad, but it's a long time to be on a plane. One time, we were, that doesn't count layovers. One time we were coming back from China and it was 40 hours before we got home. And that wasn't all the time on the planes, but it was layovers and stuck and, and delays and then finally getting home. But 40 hours, and you say, oh, poor you. Well, I, again, I can give thanks that I'm not on a mule in China going into the mountains for three weeks to get to some village. I, I could get on a bus with, with all kinds of uh, crowds and stink and sweat and all that. And it's, it's, it's wonderful because I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get there a lot quicker. And I'm so thankful to be able to fly. Now, when you're on a flight, sometimes there's turbulence, right? So if you've been on a flight before and you start bouncing, you have turbulence, most, most of the time it's nothing to be concerned about. And then people who aren't used to it, 
Well, they're, they're a little bit nervous because what's going on here? It looks like everything's going to fall apart and shake up. But if you've been through some turbulence in the past, you know you've gotten through something. And in the same way, as we travel, we can be thankful in any turbulence that we go through, knowing that God has gotten us through in the past and that God will get us through in the present and he's going to see us through for the future. So whatever turbulence you're going through, remember that you have a purpose, a destination. You are getting through to get to, and you're going to make it. Thanks be to God. This is what we were given thanks for because Jesus has promised the end is victory. Now, the pilgrims, let's get to the Mayflower now. You know, you heard the joke, if April showers bring Mayflowers, what do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. All right. Never mind. Okay, so, but the pilgrims didn't have it quite so well. If you know anything about this, and a lot of people don't know the history. I know most of you probably are aware of the history, but just as a reminder, many of the pilgrims died on that travel across the ocean. Uh, many of them died on the way, and yet they had a purpose. They were going to keep going. They had no choice. Sometimes you feel like you got no choice. You got to keep going. And they kept going, and they got to their land. It wasn't what they were expecting. It seemed like they had more problems than they had anticipated. And more than half of the pilgrims died of starvation and the weather during that winter. And yet they had nothing. They could not go back. They, they often retreated to the ship to pray and to ask the Lord for help. And in spite of all the difficulties with the, the land and the weather, they had perils from the Native American Indians who didn't understand their language. They couldn't communicate with them. And so they found that their tools were being stolen at times overnight, and other times they had to keep from being attacked. And it was just a miserable, it seemed like a hopeless situation, but they kept praying, they kept pushing through. They were pioneers, they were pilgrims, they, were, they had a purpose and a destination. And then one day they came across two of the Native Americans Samoset and Squanto, and it was a miracle. Squanto spoke English. And because he spoke English, they were able to communicate with him. And that was a miracle story in itself that you can look into. But they were able to communicate with Squanto, communicate with the other tribes, and they developed what we'd call a miraculous friendship. And that miraculous friendship with the Native Americans led to an abundant harvest. And a miraculous friendship led to an abundant harvest. And so the Native Americans taught them how to hunt, how to best grow the food, uh, and things started to come together. And eventually the harvest came. And in 1621, Governor William Bradford declared a day of thanksgiving unto the Lord so we might, after it, a more special manner, rejoice after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. And then two centuries after that, Thanksgiving became a nationally known holiday. But as I've said before, and as I'll keep reiterating, as Christians, we don't need for, to wait for one day to rejoice in a very special manner for the harvest. The harvest is coming. There is a harvest coming for you. You are laboring, you are toiling, you are sowing in tears, but you will reap with joy. And that's something you can be thankful for. But even now, 
we have so much to be thankful for. We have a miraculous friendship like the pilgrims. And this miraculous friendship has led to an abundant harvest. Miraculous friendship. A friendship with God. The Lord is not angry. The Lord is not holding a whip over you. Through Jesus Christ, he has forgiven all your sins. He has made the way. He has done everything to secure a relationship with him. And that was impossible because no sin could be within the presence of God. There had to be justice. There had to be a sacrifice. And Jesus paid the price for that, brought us into reconciliation who could have thought it could have ever happened with God as holy majestic? See, we, we take it for granted sometimes that we have a friendship with the Lord, but God is Lord over all the biggest, all, over all the universe. You think of important people who you'd like to step in their office sometime in this life, and it'd be like nervous and everything because they're such an important high person, but that's nothing compared to the Lord, creator of all, and who... It's just something that we can barely get a, a smidgen of understanding of. But if you think about that, meditate on that, you can end up giving thanks for that miraculous friendship. And it produces an abundant harvest. It produces the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to you and me so that he's not holding our sins against us and that we, in fact, are seen as the righteousness of Jesus Christ and that he can bless and have an abundant harvest of provision from him. He can meet all our needs. He can bless us even though we feel we're not worthy of being blessed. He's given us an abundant harvest of an eternal life and a kingdom. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you a kingdom. And the neat thing about that is that he's preparing it. The pilgrims on the Mayflower came to this land full of swamp and, and nothing and had to build from scratch God has prepared a kingdom for us. He's prepared a city, as we learned in Hebrews. He's prepared something, and it's nothing on our part. We'll just go and enter into the joy, enter into the blessings. Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you. But that is something to be thankful for. Now, even apart from this, beyond a day a year, the Bible is loaded. Scripture is peppered with the giving of thanks and the exhortation to give thanks. In our passage, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're going to talk about in everything, give thanks. But I wanted to just give a sampling of what you see throughout Scripture. And so what does uh, Psalm 100 verse 4 say? Who has Psalm 100 verse 4? Amen. So you go into the presence of God with thanksgiving. How often do we go into the presence of God with thanksgiving? Usually it's kind of, oh, God, help me. I need help. How about coming in? Thank you, Lord, that you are my help. I'm going to present some things. And, and it's a part of opening the door of your heart. He's already open. But we open our hearts up when we give thanks. What's the other passage I wanted to bring out was uh, Philippians 4, 6. So even in prayer, thanksgiving is a necessary part. We saw it's worship and thanksgiving. And then there's Psalm 95 too. Who has that? Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with song. That's, again, 
just repeating myself, but this is what's repeated through Scripture. It's constant, and this is a point I want to make that God is continually telling us, hey, this is your language. This, you give the language of thanks. It opens the door to my presence in your heart. We're always, we can come boldly into his presence, but we come by faith, and thanksgiving opens that faith up, builds us up in faith. And finally, uh, Colossians 3.17. In everything. So not just when you want to come into his presence, but in everything, whatever you do, word or deed, give thanks. Now, there's so much encouraging us, exhorting us to give thanks in Scripture. How is it that we, we don't live this way? Because I think, I'll just be honest with you, I'm not always thinking about this, but that's why we go into Scripture. So it's reminding us. How many of you have had little children and you have to teach them how to give thanks. Now, what do you say? They just gave you a lollipop. What do you say? Uh, thank you? Yes, you win. That's right. Give them the lollipop. Why is it that we have to teach our children to say thanks? Well, same reason we have to be taught from the word to say thanks, because it's not always natural. And you have to learn it. It's something you have to put on and you have to develop, and you grow into it. And then eventually, a child grows up and understands that it is a blessing. And we teach them to give thanks because we see the blessing maybe before they really understand what a blessing it is. And so we get all of this from Scripture, continual reminding us, what do you say? What do you say? You, you say thanks. But when times are difficult, it's very difficult to be giving thanks. The pilgrims didn't institute the day of thanksgiving during the day of their trials. They were holding, I'm sure they were giving thanks in their prayers. They were probably obeying Philippians 4, 6 with their supplications, giving thanks. But it wasn't until everything came together that they instituted that holiday. The Lord wants us to give thanks even when it's not all working out well, where it, all, where it doesn't always look good. But how do you do that? So uh, we read before we started singing that passage from 1 Thessalonians 5, which talks about the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night. And 11 verses were discussing how we need to be on the alert. That whole chapter is speaking about what is coming, but you are not of the darkness, you are of the light. God has not appointed you to wrath, but he's appointed you to salvation. That's good news. This, that whole first 11 verses, good news. You are not going to partake in the wrath if you are in Christ. You are not of the dark, so be alert. Don't fall asleep now. Keep going. Kind of like how we've been talking about Hebrews. Keep up the faith because you're on the right track. So what do you do in the meantime as that day is approaching? The rest of the chapter in 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about what you do in the meantime. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And it says, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So it's easier, though, to look at what's going wrong than to understand what's going right. There is something going right all the time for us, yet it's so easier to focus on what's going wrong. So how can you give thanks in the meantime? 
You know, it's a glorious end that we're seeing, but in the meantime, it's a mean time, right? But we're to give thanks in everything. So in everything, instead of looking at all the negative and focusing on that, you can't put your head in the sand, but you don't have to be concentrated on it. You have to gather the evidence for what God is doing. What is God doing? I don't see God doing anything, but this is where faith comes in and goes back to what has he done? And what do I have? You can always see something that's not as bad as it could be, right? But why are we supposed to give thanks in everything? Well, for one thing, it helps us to stay afloat. What's Romans 1.21 say? Do we have that? Here's an interesting passage in the first chapter of Romans. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Why are we to give thanks in everything? Because if we don't give thanks in everything, it could have detrimental side effects. Giving thanks keeps us afloat. Here we see from Romans 1.21 that not being thankful can lead to futility in our thoughts. That means in your thinking, in your imagination, you start to get into useless thoughts, perhaps... They get into destructive, damaging ideas of, oh, no, it's over, and what's going to happen to me? Because your foolish heart becomes darkened. When your heart becomes darkened, it starts influencing your thoughts, and your thoughts start suggesting things that you aren't thankful for. And you concentrate on that. So in everything, be thankful as a means to stay afloat because God wants your heart full of his light, doesn't want it darkened by the circumstance. And sometimes the circumstances are there. We can look at them as prods to get us back into the thinking of God. But now here's something we need to know. When it says in everything give thanks, it doesn't say that we're to give thanks for everything. Okay, A lot of people misunderstand this. And there is a scripture in Ephesians 5.20 that says, Give thanks to God for all things. But you have to understand that this is a qualification. This is not what God wants. God doesn't want us to be thankful for rape and murder and sin and the devil, right? We have to understand why did Paul say that? Well, Paul was saying that because what he means is he wants us to live in a dominant sense of giving thanks, to be giving thanks for all things because God is over all. But it's not that God has sent this tragedy. It's not that God has sent this trial. And some people get confused about that. I've even heard some teaching about it and just say God stole this child from his parents and got kidnapped and everything, but it was God's will, so give thanks for that. No, that's common sense would tell you no, right? And we know that Scripture is qualified in this sense. You don't thank God for sin, for evil, for the devil. But it means be thankful in everything. What we're looking at is you still can be thankful because you have hope, even in the harshest of circumstances, and thanks will keep you afloat. I know a guy uh, who I really respect, and he was a very devoted guy, and he got cancer. He said, well, the hardest thing was for me to learn to give thanks for my cancer. And I respect and appreciate his submission to God in that, but... Again, it was wrong. God isn't the one that's sending cancers and putting people in hospitals. God came to bring life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So we have to understand that, and that gives us something to be thankful for. Lord, this isn't of you, but I can be thankful that you are over this anyway, that you can get me through this. You can grow me in this. You can grow in your trials, but you don't embrace the trials. You embrace God through the trials, and that's our help, and that's something to be thankful for. He's there, so we can be thankful in everything. What are some things, in, even when you can't find something to be thankful for, there's peace. You can be thankful for peace. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God. We know that these things can't destroy us. Even the worst that comes our way cannot destroy us because we have peace with God. And Jesus has laid down his life for us that we might live. And we're going to be celebrating Christmas next month. Luke 2.14 says that the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We know that peace on earth is not happening. And that's not what they meant. They weren't saying peace on earth. Everything's going to be okay now because nothing has been okay since, and I don't believe it's going to be until the Lord returns. But what was he talking about? He's talking about glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill. Toward, this is peace between you and God. It's the miraculous friendship because of Jesus. There is peace now. There is not wrath. You were appointed not to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. Then in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing. We read this earlier, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. With everything, with thanksgiving, if you don't pray with thanksgiving, prayer can turn into uh, something that even fuels more anxiety in your heart. I mean, can anybody relate to that? How many of you have gone and prayed and, and forgot the Thanksgiving part and you're going through the laundry list of, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, what this, 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 and you, you get up feeling worse than you did when you went down to pray? <laughs> it's happened to me. I, I, it's happened to me. I, I got to come back to this and say, no, we, we, we don't just bring the laundry list. In fact, you mention your problems and move on to the answer. Spend more time on the answer than you spend on the problems. And when you're spending time on the answer, guess what happens? Thanksgiving comes up. So often I have to tell myself, like I tell the little child, what do you do? Say thanks. I don't feel like saying thanks. Say thank you. Okay, I say thank you. And the more I do it when I'm in prayer, the more the Thanksgiving grows. And if I'm concentrating on the answer more than the problem, I get up feeling encouraged, strengthened, and my, my heart is not as foolish and it's not darkened. It's been lifted up because the Lord knew what he was talking about when he instructed us in these things. Often, you can be thankful just for prayer. Often, prayer itself is a mercy. If you can just get away, shut the door for a while, and get back into the presence of God and just reflecting and meditating on what he's done and what he has given us in Christ, that sometimes solves the issue before the issue is even solved. We can also be thankful for the word, because without the word, we wouldn't be able to give thanks in prayer. The word gives us the declarations, the promises, and what we know about the Lord. It gives us a description of what's happening in the spiritual realm. It gives us the understanding that things are not what they seem always, that the circumstances aren't the final say. So we can be thankful for peace. We can be thankful for the word. The word tells us what we have in Christ, what we can expect. And it talks about 
lighting our path. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that can give us direction. It says the Lord sent his word and healed them. There's healing in the word. You can get a promise from God and say, that's my story, I'm sticking with it, and be thankful for that hope. And then there's the fact that God has said, I will magnify my word over my name. It says that in Psalm 138, verse 2, for you have magnified your word above all your name. That was the declaration. That means that God takes his word very seriously and that he's even put it above his name. That means what he has started, he will finish. He is faithful to complete his good work he has begun in us, and he's faithful to fulfill his promises. The problem is, is that we sometimes get uh, wavering because we don't know if we can really trust that word because, again, the circumstances are looking quite the different. But we give thanks. I've come to the place where I'm giving thanks for the word whether I see what I'm looking for or not, I believe the word is true and I'm not taking no for an answer. I don't mean I'm not taking no from God. God's saying yes, his promises are yes and amen in Christ. But whatever the situation is screaming at me, whatever the devil's screaming at me, whatever my bank book's screaming at me, I say no, no, because the word says I'm taken care of, I'm blessed, and he's taken care of me this far. Why should I doubt him? See, this is the fight of faith. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. And one of the fights of faith is we have to understand the goodness of God is for us. That's what the Word says. We thank for the Word because the Word gives us hope. And the hope is, is that God is for us and not against us. What is life without hope? You all remember the Robin Williams story, right? He had it all. Famous comedian, movies, and everybody loved him and, and yet commits suicide. People are struggling out there because they got no hope. And they're turning to anything and whatever to try to fill the void. And sometimes it's not working, so you see a lot of anger out there. We always have the hope because of the Word and because we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's something in everything. You can always have hope. As long as you're under heaven and above ground, you're not beneath hope. I got that from an old Puritan. I'm surprised I remembered it. I probably misquoted it. But anyway, one of the great hopes in the Word is Romans 8.28. If you don't know this, you should have it memorized and stuck in your heart. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things... All things work together for good. It doesn't say, note, it doesn't say that all things are good. It doesn't say all things are good. So, you know, somebody's house burns down. And I heard some, I, somebody actually in Thailand had their house burned down. Someone came up to them and said, oh, all things are good. All things work for good. And uh, you just don't say that. For one thing... It's also not an all-general encompassing promise. It is to a specific people. It's to those who love God. If someone doesn't love God, they're not called according to his purpose. You can't give this promise to them, this hope to them. But do you love the Lord? Are you called according to his purpose? If you're in Christ, you love the Lord, you can have this hope in any situation. Even the worst thing, we have the hope that something good will work from it, even though it may not be a good thing. 
And even if it doesn't come to pass in this time that you have understanding, there will come a time when everything will be made right. There is coming a kingdom and it's been prepared for us and everything will come together for good at the end. But not everything is good right now. But that's something to be thankful that we have hope in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I'm breaking this verse down in case you didn't uh, catch that. In everything we talked about. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And what is the will of God? It, this is not saying, as I've heard some people preach, that whatever situation you're in, this is God's will for you right now. I mean, this might, some of you might say, wait a second. But this is not what it's talking about. What is God's will for you in this verse? His will for you is thankfulness. His will for you is that you be thankful. Why? So that you can get through what you're going through. It's not his will that you're strung up in a hospital with, with the meters running and, and you don't know what's going to happen next. You say, well, everything that happens is God's will. Well, does that mean when people sin and do horrible things, that's God's will? People have just gotten this understanding that is kind of destructive because it gets you into a place where you say, okay, I guess I need to be this way the rest of my life. No, God's will is to move us forward and to move us into his position and in everything for you to be thankful. And specifically, context-wise, as we looked at those first 11 verses, his will for us is not to be appointed to wrath, verse 9, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. And so what is his will? His will is for you to be in Christ, to be thankful because you are appointed to salvation. And that's his will. That is, means he is for you and not against you. That brings you to this is his will for you. Now it's personal. God is concerned about your situation. God is concerned about you. He is for you and not against you. He knew you before you were formed. It says that in Jeremiah and in Psalms. Psalms 139. He dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. He's intimate. He is an intimate God. He's not out there capriciously ordering things and throwing things in your path just to see how you're going to... One big obstacle course to test your faith. He's a loving God who has a will for you to be thankful and to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. And he is very concerned with everything we're going through. And sometimes we'll sit down, I know I'll sit down and be tempted to say, where are you, Lord? I don't know. What's, what's happening here? Why isn't it working out the way I thought it would work out? And I come back to the idea that he knew me before. He knows all my days. He knows what's ahead. And he dwells within me. And he gave his very son up. His very son went through 30 plus years on this planet suffering the human condition and ultimately on the cross because he loved us and because he wanted to be in position with us intimately, intimately. We talked about in Hebrews, the veil has been torn that we have access into the most holy place. And on the other side of it, he tore the veil so that he could have access into our hearts. He couldn't being the just and holy God that he is without the proper work, and that was the work of the cross. And he went to the cross so that he could show us 
that he was for us. So whatever, again, I'm not taking no for an answer because the situation might suggest otherwise. And it has in the past. Isn't that something too? But I've gotten through that and you can get through. You've gotten through things in the past and you'll get through things that are in the present and the things that are to come in the future. And you'll get through it whether you're thankful or not. If you love the Lord, he's still for you and he's still working for you. But these things are going to help you with more strength and be able to move in that direction. It's, it's a blessing for us. That's why we continually teach our children and why it says through Scripture, give thanks, give thanks, remember to give thanks, get your bearings straight, recalibrate, get yourself back into position because the Lord is for you and not against you. And this is what can change your life. When you have this language of thanksgiving, when you're always looking for the good in the situation, and even when you can't find the good, you see what's coming in Christ, and you have that outlook, I believe you'll be healthier. I mean, when we worry and we complain and we murmur and things like that, that's what destroys our health. And sometimes we still feel anxious. It says, be anxious for nothing but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving and the peace of God. Sometimes you have to get still before him and let his Holy Spirit do a work in you. And it might take a few more minutes before that peace enters in. Like I said, prayer is a mercy. There is a fountain of peace to be had if we give him the time and the thanksgiving to work with. So God is for you. God's working. And the pilgrims... They pioneered the way. They made the way for us to enjoy the fruits of their labors and their pioneering work. And you may be laying the way for people behind you to enjoy the fruits of your pioneering, making it through a situation. We all know that we minister better when we've been through something and when we experience things. And you may be in position to be blessing somebody else through the very things you think are working against you. And this is where God comes in and shows himself glorious. And in the end, he's got that land prepared for us. He has told us throughout scripture, give thanks. Again, when we're parents, we know that this child doesn't understand the blessing that they're getting right now, but we want to teach them about it. Think of how great the blessings are God has for us, that it's so continual, so peppered throughout scripture. Don't forget to give thanks. In everything, give thanks. He must know something that we don't quite understand. He must know the brilliance and glory of his blessings that he has laid up. How great is the goodness the Lord has laid up for those who fear him, for those who put their trust in him before the sons of men. How great is the goodness. You've got such an inheritance of greatness and goodness that we can't fathom in our piddly minds and thinking. If we would just get still before him and say, Lord, I know it's there and, and by faith I receive it and I thank you for it. I think that's when he starts to give you more tastes of that, more vision for that. He's kind to the unthankful, it says in Luke 6, 35. He's kind to the unthankful. He says, be like your father who's kind to the evil and the unthankful. So even the unthankful, he's kind to. And he's kind to us when we fail to give thanks. But, you know, how much more do you like to give to someone who has said thank you to you? 
You say, well, they really appreciate it. I'm going to give them some more. Well, God doesn't need that from us. He'll continue to give and bless whether we thank him or not. But I believe he's blessed when we give thanks. We offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. One place in the psalm says the sacrifice. The sacrifices are a sweet-smelling savor to him. It blesses the Lord. And when he's blessed, I believe he says, well, I'm going to reveal a little bit more. I think there's extra uh, icing on the cake for the thanksgivers, if I can say it that way. I don't know. But it blesses God and it will bless you and me because it strengthens and it keeps our hearts in the right position as we continue our pilgrimage on this strange planet. Amen? Amen. So thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings in our life. We, we acknowledge you are Lord over all and that you have good laid up for those who love you, put their trust in you. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are close and you are concerned. And we thank you for the strength you give us in our daily walk. And help us, Lord, to see the good in everything and to see you even as we go into these dark times. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We thank you for your provision and guidance. And we pray your blessing now and the rest of our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's